Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on October the 4th, 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's lots of free audios for download and you can start to piece together the big system you're born into, uh, a predetermined plan really, uh, a script you might say that you're living through and uh, how everything congeals to this time. This time, this is the century of change. Planned a long, long time ago and planned by the big boys who already owned incredible wealth across the planet in the in the 18th and 19th and 20th centuries, and how they financed academia and really got on board with science, backing scientific projects, and decided that there would be eventually too many people on the planet, too many of the wrong kinds of people, and also that they believed that... Um, they themselves were the most superior, obviously, since they had the cash, they had the wealth. They did marry for wealth and intellect, you might say, as opposed to uh, simply other things. And they had the right to run the planet and the, the direction it should go. Uh, that's where we are today with this. They've funded thousands of uh, non-governmental organizations which lobby governments, given quasi-official status, you might say. And uh, and they also finance... Um, all the big projects you see in the newspapers to do with scientific projects, security, uh, all of this kind of stuff. It's a new feudal system, according to Carl Quigley, who is the historian for one of the biggest branches of this organization, the Council on Foreign Relations, and the new the CEOs are the new feudal overlords, basically, of the system that we're living in. Academia is totally on board with all of this, and they have been for a long, long, long time. And uh, they recruit from the Ivy League universities generally and pay them awfully well to stay on board as we go through the big changes of sterilization, the depopulation, and under various guises, by the way. There's lots of guises used to get it all through. And the trick is, too, that they own all pretty well all the major media across the world, and they give us a different reality at the bottom level. So help yourself to that. Remember, too, you can get uh, transcripts for a print-up as well from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and all the sites listed there. And you can get transcripts in other languages from in English if you go into AlanWattSentinel.eu. From the U.S. to Canada, if you want to help me keep going, you can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And uh, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal checks, international postal money orders. You can use cash. You can set, use PayPal, and uh, uh, donations are, are really, really awfully welcome because they don't bring on uh, sponsored guests who sell you things and so on. And across the world, as I say, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. But the reality that you're living through is, is, is it's quite something because I've watched this for years and years and studied into it uh, when I was very, very young, uh, read all the big articles and books by those who were called philosophers at the time, who just happened to be associated with world meetings in the United Nations to do with 
population control, reduction, the, the kinds of society the elite wanted to have in the future, all of that kind of thing. Uh, the cultural managers, because they actually manage the culture, is to take you all down and destroy all the, the, the old defenses that people had to fight back at the system. It's all been destroyed. And uh, we're now at the chaotic stage of dysfunction, and government steps in with countless agencies to, to manage the dis, this, this dysfunction, of course, and the fallout from it. And the thing is, though, generation by generation, we think it's all quite natural because we adapt so quickly to it, so quickly to it. And people still, when they're, when they're studying all of this stuff and they get uh, proof and proof and proof and more proof and facts, etc., from the big boys themselves and their own writings, a lot of folks still have a hard time believing uh, that uh, they have no say in this system. But unfortunately, that's how it really is, and that's why they still vote. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system and how it's relentless and it's moving on. It's really steamrolling ahead because everything that's happening today was planned a long time ago, including all of the wars, one after another. Endless wars, perpetual wars, constant conflict, they call it in the military. And we're going through it all today. It isn't just conflict on the nations. There's more to go, of course, after the Middle East. But they also want to standardize other countries across the world. And they also want to standardize the cultures back home to fit a global society, not for the people's benefit, mind you, but as as a, a part of control for the process of taking us all down uniformly, basically. That's how it's done. And you, you, there's so many articles I've read, some last night, for instance, from professors and so on, who, who talk about depopulation, uh, and they shout it from the rooftops, uh, people who are teaching this in universities under various social sciences, etc. And the way they can put things across to students especially is, is rather easy because they understand the mind of the student and the age group that they're dealing with too, and the presentation and the omission of a lot of other facts will bring the student to conclusions that the professors want them to reach. And that generally will stick in their heads forever, and they'll never change their opinions. We're, we're awfully easy, easily we're understood to the nth degree. We truly are. Human beings are really so well understood. We've been studied for thousands and thousands of years, at least, by governments, kings, and priesthoods, etc., and we're the most studied species on the planet. Not the bugs you're always seeing when the nature shows, but we are, in fact, and we're very predictable. But Whenever you read the articles and the books put out by those involved in the global society, setting up the global structure through the United Nations or its thousands of affiliates, organizations, all underneath the umbrella of the United Nations and the Club of Rome and all the big foundations, front think tanks, you'll find it's the same agenda. Wherever you look, it's the same agenda. And they're all on board together. They call it consensus building, in fact. If there's any particular group that isn't in on the big plan, uh, they will send out their emissaries to try and bring them in. And they actually call it that consensus building. So they all are on board with the same agenda, uh, uh, like all for one, one for all. It's kind of an idea. And 
The same thing with global warming. It doesn't matter about the evidence and the lack of evidence. It's an agenda for other reasons. We've had politicians in Canada who came out and said that. It doesn't matter, this one of them said in Ottawa. It doesn't matter if it's all bogus. All information on global warming is bogus. This will help spread equality, etc., across the world. In other words, the ability for redistribution of wealth. And uh, the wealth doesn't go to the people, it goes to institutions that then help to manage them, ID them, and gradually bring them down in populations over a generation or two. Uh, So there's always another reason for the, the reason they give you for the big things that are happening, like the war on terror. The war is to change all of society across the globe. It already has. It already has. And you forget, too, that there's people who were maybe 10 or so, uh, at the time of 9-11, and all have known since then, and other adult, young adults, all have known is, uh, uh, is basically the police state. And that's normal to them now. And it'll become more normal with the ones still coming up today. But ID cards were mentioned back in the 90s, and in Australia, I've got the articles here, even a good video was done early 90s about it. And... Uh, it to be done across the rest of the world. There was articles and, and even, again, TV shows in Canada. Wendy Mesley was on one of them to do with the coming ID card, Big Brother, all that kind of stuff. And they never backtrack. They never backtrack on any part of this agenda. And this is before the war on terror and all the rest of it. So when there's opposition from the public, they simply they don't, they don't toss it out the window and say, that's that finished. They simply shelve it for a little while and bring it back through other means. Time works wonders with the human population because we become, um, we, we, again, we adapt. We adapt as we become, become more familiar with giving information out all the time until you're giving out information everywhere on electronic devices. And then it's quite natural to go into the ID thing, you see. Now, here's an article here which goes right along with this, this, what I'm talking about. It says, the government will announce details this month of a controversial national identity scheme which will allow people to use their mobile phones and social media profiles as official identification documents for accepting public services. Now, this is in Britain, but they've also got it in Canada. And it says, people wishing to apply for services ranging from tax credits to fishing licenses and passports will be asked to choose from a list of familiar online logins, including those they already use on social media sites, banks, and large retailers such as supermarkets to prove their identity. Once they've logged in correctly by computer or mobile phone, the site will send a message to the government agency authenticating that user's identity. The Cabinet Office in Britain is understood to have held discussions with the Post Office, high street banks, mobile phone companies and technology giants ranging from Facebook and Microsoft to Google, PayPal and BT. That's British Telecom. Ministers are anxious that the identity program is not denounced as a big brother national ID card. Well, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? But they're anxious that you don't see it as that, you see. Uh, by the back door, which is why data will not be kept centrally by any government department. Indeed, it's hoped that the identity assurance program, which is being led by the Cabinet Office, will mean the end to any prospect of a physical national ID card being introduced in the UK. So it is national ID, but it's not national ID, you see. That's a, it's a standard way of putting it over to, to put this as a simple public. The identification systems used by the private companies have been subjected to security testing before being awarded their identity provider, IDP, 
kite mark it's called, meaning that they've made the list of uh, between 5 and 20 approved organisations that will be announced 22nd of October. The public will be able to use the logins from a set list of trusted private organisations to access the government services, which are being grouped together on a single website called government.uk, which will be accessible by mobile. A cross-section of social media companies. See, they, see, they don't make you, they don't force you into things. They simply make it impossible eventually for you to survive without it. That's how they do things. Brian Pearl, you must join this. Everybody would get their backs up and be a bit suspicious. But you, they simply make it eventually impossible for you to get through any other way. A cross-section of social media companies, high street banks, mobile phone businesses, major retailers have, have been chosen in order to appeal as to a wide a demographic as possible. It will be trialled uh, when the Department of Work and Pensions starts the early rollout of the Universal Credit Scheme, which is a radical overhaul of the benefits system in April. Users who accept the government's online one-stop shop of public services will be asked to identify themselves by choosing one organisation from a selection of logos. The feature is called NASCAR Screen in reference to the logo-filled delivery of the famous American racing cars. Oh, ha, ha. Major websites are able to recognize individuals by their patterns of use, the device they're accessing from, and its location. Facebook, for example, asks users to sign on from an unusual location to take a series of security questions, including identifying friends and photographs. Privacy campaigners are not wholly convinced by the program, although this is a fine scheme in principle and is backed by ministers. Uh, the dangers is that it could be sidelined and used as a fig leaf by the data-hungry government departments. Well, that's what it's for, folks. I mean, when you've got to chuck this naivety out the door and this standing up for what you think the old fiction of the government was there to serve you. You've got to stop all this stuff and see if things for what they really, really are. This is details of the identity assurance scheme are being uh, finalised amid growing concerns over ID theft and forms of cybercrime. Foreign Secretary William Hague and Cabinet Officer Minister Francis Maud, at the head of the identity assurance programme, will today uh, meet international experts at the Budapest Conference in Cyberspace, and Mr Maud will give a keynote speech. The Cabinet Office believes its new ID model will prevent login fatigue from having too many usernames and passwords and save public money by increasing trust in online services. Now, Britain, uh, there's hardly a month gone by that says it hasn't had a government agency been hacked. It's, it's been a disaster. But it doesn't matter. It's, it's got to go ahead regardless. Everything in the system that's a must-be will get rammed ahead from global warming to everything else because that's the plan, folks. That's just simply the plan. It says the system is likely to be adopted by local authorities nationwide, and the government hopes the ID scheme will form the basis of a universally recognized online authentication process for commercial transactions on the Internet, and then going to the, the, the boosting economy, etc., and strengthening strengthen Britain's position as a leader in e-commerce. I'll be a leader in, in the world's welfare checks because that's really what's to do with as well. And there's so many folk on welfare there now because there's no work. Mm-hmm. This is in recent weeks the Cabinet Office's Government Digital Service has backed a UK working group of the Open Identity Exchange set up in America to bring organisations including Google, AOL, PayPal and Experian together to find a simple method of online verification that doesn't require multiple passwords. So everything's been streamlined into one. 
basically. Everything that you have to use to get by in life these days will be streamlined into one, th- and again, through the government as well. And uh, and that's just the way it's going to be, you know. And the wait and see, much of a backlash there'll be against this this attempt here. And, and a lot of folk probably won't have a backlash because, as I said, they're already adapting and adapting and adapting to give out information, 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 as the, the, the whole e-commerce thing, e-transactions goes ahead and, and, and it's becoming omnipotent, basically, to get by. And eventually, once enough folk are on it, they'll say it's mandatory because you can't get by without it. That's how it always happens. And the same company in Britain that's behind the, I, the big ID, getting back to the 90s, I mentioned Wendy Mesley, who did a, a shows on television. I can't remember if it was Horizon or not. But anyway, she did one on Big Brother and talked about, as I say, the coming ID. I'll talk about this when I come back because it's an important part after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and just after talking about the ID uh, scam, of course it's coming. It's mandatory basically, it's coming, there's no way about it, it's, it's all coming. Uh, and they're talking about using Facebook and all and Google and all the rest of them. Here's an article right here too, same day. New privacy fears as Facebook begins selling personal access to companies to boost ailing profits. The changes mean that companies can track you down on Facebook every time you buy something. So, so everything that you do as you go through this government uh, thing I just read there uh, and through Facebook, etc., is, is being monitored by a whole bunch of companies, including government itself. Measures have sparked calls for official investigation by campaigners who claim the public have not been properly notified. Well, they don't have to notify you. They're a private company. can do what they want. Facebook claimed that there are safeguards attached to the new measures. And that's what the thing, too, you've got to remember. It's like television or news, uh, whatever you're being told from private companies, they're not officially there to tell you truth. And I went through articles before to do for court cases, I went to the Supreme Court in the U.S. actually uh, from some journalists who had a, had a contract with one of the big organized, I think it was Fox or somebody, and uh, they were doing something on Monsanto, but because Monsanto is so powerful uh, and ads were pulled and all the rest of it, they, they, they laid these guys off. Even though their contract still stood, they would not publish uh, the, uh, the documentaries they made. They took him to this court, and the, the court judge at the high court says, there's nothing in law says that news agencies or companies must tell the public the truth. It's just news, it's data. It could be made up, fictional, it doesn't make any difference. There's no law that says it has to be truth. And it's the same with everything else you're presented with as well. Always remember that. And private companies are private companies, including uh, Facebook, etc. And, and yeah, they'll be in bed with governments and they will take government financing here and there too to do it from, from special intelligence agencies because they're all part of it. It's all public private now. So it says the social networking site is allowing companies to trawl through its 900 million users looking for email addresses and phone numbers so it can get, uh, it can better target advertising. That's what they say. It means that if you hand over any details when you buy something, as many consumers do, that company can now track you down on Facebook. And it says the measures appear to be a cynical attempt to sidestep restrictions imposed on Facebook by U.S. regulators due to earlier botched privacy changes. 
They've already sparked calls for an official investigation by campaigners who claim that the public have not been properly notified. New measures which have been in effect for weeks will affect consumers who have handed over personal data when they buy something, and it says here, generally uh, through internet shopping. Retailers will then be allowed to compare their own databases with information on Facebook. For example, an airline will now be able to target ads at customers who have recently taken a flight to Barcelona. A mobile phone company could also advertise upgrades to somebody who is nearing the end of their contract. This is another disturbing element, is that ads could appear on users' computers even when they're not on Facebook. The social networking site is also increasing its monitoring and will work with US-based company Data Logics to see what consumers are buying. Uh, they claim that there are safeguards, etc., etc. Anyway, I'll put up the, this again too because there is no privacy, and I'll also put up too uh, a video, and it was a guy who used to be a hacker, etc., a top one well known who uh, came out and said, "Forget it. That's, privacy is a thing of the past. It's never going to come back. You ain't going to get it. There's no privacy whatsoever on any electronic communication in this day and age." And that's true, folks. No matter how government or anybody else tries to sell it to you, it just doesn't exist. And then India, it says. Now, India, I know the companies that's doing Britain also were the ones who set up, set up India's biometric database. And it says, India's gargantuan biometric database raises big questions. Now, there's a bigger reason for this than they're telling you in the article, like everything else that we get fed. India, remember, is again on the watch list from the United Nations and the United States and other countries to do with being such the, the second largest population on the planet, basically. And um, it's to do with population reduction and all the rest of it. And monitoring is to start sterilizing the public through all the inoculations. And I really mean that, too, because I've got the articles here, even from the World Health Organization, through various studies. They always find that fertility, the actual, actual fertility itself plummets after all the inoculations. When they go in with UNESCO, it give them free this and free that. It actually affects the sperm count in the male and, and causes problems with women as well. Anyway, it says, the government of India has amassed a database of 200 million Indian residents, digital fingerprints, iris scans, facial photographs, names, addresses, and birthdays. And that gets me back to Wendy Mesley, sorry, because she did say in the 90s, in one of the very good documentaries that she did, when she interviewed the top characters to do with these uh, biometric cards and scanners and so on, and she says, well, why would the public accept a national, international ID card? And he said, because they'll be given no choice. That's the reality of the world you live in, folks, for you who think you still have democracies and rights and freedoms. Anyway, it says, this article says, yet this vast collection of private information is only a drop in the bucket compared to the volume of data it ultimately intends to gather. The unique identity authority of India, uh, the agency that administers ADAR, India's unique identity program, has a goal of capturing and storing this personal and biometric information for each and every one of India's 1.2 billion residents. Everyone who enrolls is issued a 12-digit unique ID number and an ID card linked to the data. When it's complete, the ADAR system will require so much data storage capacity is projected to be 10 times the size of Facebook. And while it's optional to enroll at the moment, right, the program is envisaged, envisioned as the basis for new mobile apps that would facilitate everything from banking transactions to the purchase of goods and services, which could make it hard for individuals to opt out without getting left behind. Oh, don't be left behind. Where have we heard all that before? Back with more after this. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and reading about the national ID cards that are rolling out across the planet. Really, they're international, in fact. But it says um, uh, they, they go in to explain how it's going to really help the poor. That's what they really care about in India, if you study its history. Uh, they always care about the poor and it help delivery of services and all of that kind of thing. If you can find a service, good luck to you. But uh, they're just trying to sell it to the people. But Who's also involved in this too? Again, another kind of foundation NGO type thing, but it's based at UC Berkeley Center for Southeastern Asian Studies. Of course, everything that happens in countries is never uh, made up in their own countries, always outside interference. And they're involved in setting up this, this system for the whole of India. But see, that's a British company too, I think. Everything's international, isn't it? All these companies are international that are setting up the systems across the world. I'll put this link up tonight for those who want to see it, see what's coming to you as well. And, um, this article here too is to do with, uh, from Al Jazeera actually, is how, how the police now are clashing with currency protesters and money lenders and money traders actually. Uh, as the, as the economy goes down because the, 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 their own cash system's plummeting because of the embargoes on all outside cash transactions. So the Iranian riot police have clashed with protests in the capital Tehran over the collapse of the rial, the, con- the currency's, uh, the country's currency. It's lost a third of its value against the dollar in a week. Well, I guess things are going to plan because they knew this would happen and they've been, they've had an embargo for long enough. They even seized all the foreign bank accounts and so on that the country uses, just like they did with Libya before they went in there too. And it says it's the first sign of public unrest over the plunging currency. It says the fall of real, which has now lost more than 80% of its value compared with a year ago, with 17% of its value shed on Monday alone, has been largely blamed on Western sanctions imposed over the country's nuclear program. At least that's the excuse they're giving you. The real slipped another 4% on Tuesday, and so on and so on. But to say that they're resting all these money changers that are there as well, who are making a big killing using foreign currency, etc., etc., etc. It's like Rothschild said, you know, you, that's when you meet your biggest profit, when the blood is flowing in the streets. And there was times of crisis. And... The police in Ireland, the Gardaí, are to build, are buying a million, a million rounds, at least one million round of ammunition. I'll put that up night too, as they get all geared up for the coming riots and so on, and austerity. And another one I'll put up tonight too, at cuttingthroughthemedics.com, at the end of the show, is to do with uh, a, a legal action update for the stop mat, uh, smart meter uh, for Canada, basically. This, this actual part's taking place in British Columbia, Canada, but uh, people can go in if they're in the area and listen to this public uh, hearing, and it says um, the public may attend to hear the appeal against the smart meters at 800 Hornby Street, H-O-R-N-B-Y Street, Hornby Street, Vancouver, British Columbia, 9.30 a.m. Thursday, October the 18th, it says here, for those who want to attend it and find out what's happening there. Because we're given no choice at all in Canada about these smart meters, unless you just get a generator and tell them to, to cut their wires and leave you alone. And these things, too, are given off signals all the time 
you, you, you hear the PR that they give you from the companies that put them in, and then you look at the reality on, on the websites of all the studies that have been done. These things are bombarding you with these spiky waves all the time. And uh, long-term, even short-term is bad, but long-term, it could even destroy you and split up DNA and everything else. We, we know all this stuff. And this article is quite interesting because whenever you have these quasi-governmental agencies, and today there are so many quasi-governmental agencies, even like Children's Aid, for instance, or the Children's Aid Societies, they come and grab children. Uh, now they're getting government funding, they get more and more power, they get more arrogant, act like marshals, and and even want SWAT teams. Well, it's the same now even with the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Associations. Again, they started off as private, you see, living on charity, and once they get this quasi-official backing, they'll want the same uniforms as SWAT teams. I mean, have you noticed that, that even ambulance drivers, everybody wants SWAT team outfits now, because they've been brought up watching these movies. And the only winners in these movies, because it's all predictive programming, are the guys wearing the black outfits that look rather mean. These are the, these are the winners, and all the other people in rags down around them are the losers, the general population. And this is fact, folks. But uh, they're, they're raiding folks' homes now. I mean, like SWAT teams. And it says, Jessica Johnson was asleep in her house in Lindhurst, Ontario, when an agent from the Ontario Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals entered through a window during a raid to check on the care of her dog. Vicky is a dog. The Vicky had a dental issue, it says. Mrs. Johnson, 70 years old, age, of age, is fighting the charges before Ontario Animal Care Review Board. Now listen to this, it says. The Animal Care Review Board, a quasi-judicial provincial agency, has already spent six full days considering whether the Ontario Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals acted unreasonably when it raided the home of Lindhurst, Ontario resident and part-time dog breeder Jessica Johnson last May. Now, interesting wording, because it's a quasi-judicial provincial agency. You'll find even the children's aid societies are quasi-judicial. They've had a completely different set of rules uh, than any other sort of uh, judicial agency that's authorized by government. And they can keep it going forever and spin their wheels forever until you just give up. They can spin it for years. If it's a child you want to get back or a dog or whatever. And it's not going to come down on the side of the person who got raided. I can guarantee you that. And it says here, um, now four more days of October 29th to November 1st have been set aside for the hearing with no guarantee that even that will be sufficient. Listen to this. Most review board hearings last only one day, but Johnson's case is more complex than most. She alleges that the, the OSPCA violated her Charter of Rights when it obtained a search warrant and entered her home through a bedroom window after receiving an anonymous tip that dogs in her house were in distress. Why would you get a warrant to invade someone's home on an anonymous tip without checking it out first and other ways? The OSPCA agents found five adult dogs and nine puppies in the house, but ultimately spotted health problems in only one. Now, it's the same when they raid people. They've got to find something wrong somewhere to try and validate the, the, the screw-up they've made. You understand? They'll always do this. Police and, and so on, they'll always do it. And the one that they found was a nine-year-old Yorkie uh, dog diagnosed with severe gingivitis of the gums. Uh, in other words, it had tartar, bad tartar 
and gum recession like most adults have to do. The site ordered Johnson to fix the dental problems, but the 64-year-old retired postal worker who lives in a small income didn't comply because she says she can't afford to have the work done, all this dental work. She now faces charges. So they have to keep at it. They can't let it go now that they've invaded, now that they have to charge as well to try again back up their legitimacy. With a pre-trial hearing scheduled October 22nd in Brockville, the pre-trials, it's like the court case I've been mentioning over the, over the time with Katharina Jaleva to try to get her son back from the, from the, 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 the children's societies down there and, and where she lives. Same thing, that all these pre-trials, pre-trials, they can have hundreds and hundreds of pre-trials to try and put you off, you see. But that's not enough either. That's not enough either, it says. As the proceedings have gone well past the point of proportionality with respect to the matters at issue, he said, despite Ms. Johnson's right to justice, the procedure is effectively serving as a barrier to justice. Of course, we'd say that. And it says, the OSPCA is a private charity. So charities now are invading your homes, right? That's been given enforcement powers by the province. It raises most of its $20 million a year budget. This is for Ontario alone. Through donations, but in 2010, provincial, municipal, and federal governments contributed $3.6 million to its operations, so it's an expanding business. Any agency you set up, once it starts getting out funding from government and local government and central government, so it's now a going concern. And they start flexing their muscle. And, and the more charges they can lay on around the, the, their whole area, the more cash they'll have to demand next year. Oh, look at the work we've done. We've got one dog and gingivitis, you see. But that's not enough. The guy that they hired to represent them for the OSPCA to represent them uh, is one of the top lawyers in, in Canada, basically. He's done all the top criminal defences for top, top people. It's often goes into the millions of dollars to pay him. And uh, that's a guy called Ruby. And, uh, and now even the people, who, this board they set up to have the, to listen to the inquiry, they don't know what they're doing. They're asking Ruby, who's defending the OSPCA, for advice. So you know where this is all going. It's a con game. Who are rackets? But I'll put this up uh, tonight as well for those who are interested. But this is an example, as I say, once you give them uniforms and outfits and they want to be like the SWAT teams, then away they go. And God help everybody else. It's human nature, folks. We live with very mature people who've grown up watching dozens and hundreds of movies like this. And it doesn't matter if they're ambulance attendants, whatever, they'll want the same black outfits so they can swagger and have a a leather belt with all things hanging off of it. That's just how it is. Now, if you want to hire Al Gore to give you 75 minutes environmental uh, spiel, it costs you... $100,000 for 75 minutes, plus travel, plus the hotel costs, plus his security teams, and various other daily expenses. This is Gore's standard speaker's contract, a copy of which you'll find here. I'll put this up tonight, too, in the link. Stipulates that the Democrats' ground transportation be a, a, a sedan, not an SUV. Additionally, Gore requests that speech sponsors make every effort to use a hybrid vehicle for his transport. Just for show, you say, PR. That the Gore contract stipulates that no press be permitted at the event and that the Democrat receive approval over the distribution of photographs from the appearance. 
His contract for a May 21st appearance at the University of California, San Diego, was released by the school, uh, though the contract seeks absolute confidentiality when it comes to the deal's terms. Since UCSD is a public university, the California Public Records Act requires the document be released upon request. So I'll put it up tonight for those who have any interest at all in that kind of thing. Also tonight I'll put up to the speech by Ahmadinejad at the United Nations recently, where he lays the things on the line that nobody wants to hear anymore, even though he's saying an awful lot of truth. But he lays it on the line for those who want to make their own minds up. And austerity schools are coming across the world now. Now, the first world countries are all third world countries, if you haven't noticed. And uh, austerity, too, is coming to school buildings and architecture. And it says a trio of official blueprints for cut price prefab schools for the future unveiled by the government in England. The designs, two for secondary, one for primary, cost a third less than those built in recent years, the government says. But these are actually, as I say, prefabricated buildings. You know, they they come in sections and you bolt them together. They last maybe 10, 15 years before all the dampness comes through them and they fall apart. Just like the houses they built in the 60s that did the same kind of thing for the working people. It was described as a great, great advance for, for Britain. Carbon tax now destroying Australian economic prosperity for those who haven't yet been banged with a carbon tax. It's all coming to you. And it says, um, with less than two months since the Gillard government introduced the carbon tax in Australia, businesses are beginning to feel the pain of increased costs that are directly associated to the carbon tax. Prior to being elected, the Prime Minister announced that the Australian Labour Party would not introduce a carbon tax. And people still vote. How many times have you heard this kind of stuff? Ms. Gillard was quoted, there will be no carbon tax under the government I lead. Even the Treasurer of Australia was quoted as saying, certainly we reject this hysterical allegation that we are moving towards a carbon tax. I'll put the links up for that too. But July 1st, 2012, when the carbon tax began, I posted a series of articles that argued why carbon taxes should be abolished. Now that Australians have been paying carbon taxes for almost two months, evidence of the abolishment of this economically destructive tax is now clearer than ever. And it has a whole list of things and businesses paying off, laying off people all over the place and how it's put up the prices of pretty well everything to incredible costs and electricity and so on and so on and so on. Everything that was expected, of course, is happening. I'll put that up too. Now, another thing too, for those who haven't quite caught on, and I remember this back in the early 90s, I noticed that those chemicals, for instance, that were industrial chemicals, that had always been banned from public use and uh, suddenly appeared on different uh, supermarket shelves for cleaning at home. And I thought, well, why would they be doing that? Because they know what it causes, etc. And the people, the public aren't trained in the use of this or even had lectures and in, in just how toxic these things are. And I thought, well, they want to bring the populations down. We're, we're in the age now where any and every means possible to bring the populations down is already underway. It's cancers, of, of, you can't keep up with them. I've, I've talked to surgeons and they say that there's no, there's no names for so many of the cancers that are just popping up now. They don't even have, there's so many popping new types all the time. They, they can't keep up with names for them. But it, this is a, this is another way they're doing it too. We also have, to, there's countless studies on cell phone towers and what they do to you and the wifi and all the rest of it. Never mind your phones. It says, do you live near an unexpected cell phone tower? 
It says homeowners across Canada are discovering cell phone towers popping up in residential neighbourhoods that slip just under the height of regulations that would require the company to notify those living nearby. An Oakville, Ontario resident, Lisa Guglietti, was in the midst of building her dream home when the mother of three noticed eight cellular network antennas strapped to the chimney of a Bell Canada building a short distance from her son's bedroom. And she says um, that uh, we're surprised that we weren't notified. She said, we asked some of the neighbours. None of the neighbours had any clue that the cellular antenna had been put up. Under federal regulations, cell phone companies must notify the municipality for towers at least 15 metres high. But many new installations are coming up short of the limit at just 14.9 metres, just 0.1 under, you see. Homeowners say the rule undermines their ability to weigh in on installations in the community. So Bell's got around it by putting them just a little, little bit under the notifying stage. So though the antennas are an eyesore, Google Edge's primary concern is possible health effects. This is experts disagree on the impact caused by cell towers. The National Agency for Research on Cancer classifies radio frequency electromagnetic fields, which are emitted by wireless phones and cell towers as possible human carcinogens. Health Canada states that radio frequencies fields given off by cell phone towers are safe as long as the facility adheres to federal regulatory requirements limiting human exposure. Now, if you're living amongst these, these towers, you're being bombarded 24 hours seven days a week. You are. And it says in an email to the CBC News, a Bell spokesperson wrote that all its sites, including the Oakville, Ontario, and near, near Gugliati's house, meet or exceed all federal safety and other operating requirements. We'll always say that stuff, won't we? That's what PR agents do. And uh, stop with this up anyway, and there's stacks of information up on what it does, and there's more coming out all the time. And uh, again, there's even the health issues and surgical uh, magazines to do with all the tumours of the brain, etc. It's impossible to ignore. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Chris from Canada, who's hanging on the line there. You still there, Chris? Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just, uh, it's really funny. It's, uh, I've got a 10-year-old son that I'm trying to educate, because I think we all need to educate our children as to what's going on here. Um, I think everything is a distraction uh, until we fix the economy. Um, which is a, a very long story, and I spoke with that earlier with John. Um, but he's watching a show right now, and he said, Dad, check this out. And I said, what's that? And it's a show called Winging It. And it's Canadian, I think, or it might be American. doesn't matter. Um, and it, it's got this guy talking, and behind him is the all-seeing eye. And I'm thinking, wow, my kid, 10 years old, is getting it. Yeah. They're, they're watching you no matter what. It just blows my mind yeah. when you, when you really see the, the scope of it. <laughs> yeah. When, when you look at the, the DARPA's logo, I don't know if it's changed it, but the original logo they had for DARPA, the, the big agency for U.S. defense and so on. 
uh, that's involved in really high-tech uh, research and development to do with monitoring all of us. Its logo was a pyramid with the all-seeing eye and with a beam of light coming down from the eye on all the little weeds below that represent the public. And uh, it, these symbols are everywhere uh, from, from all government institutions and agencies and all private corporations as well. I watch the trains going by here uh, every day and you'll see all the corporate logos and you'll see all the Masonic symbology there uh, and pretty well all of them. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. You no, know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, my wife, um, she's, uh, I think she's going to divorce me shortly because I, I, I'm showing my kids what they should be paying attention to. Yes. Um, and, and I don't think 99% of the parents out there are, are doing that anymore. They're just trusting the school system and. Yeah. And it's not the first generation to do that. You see, they started to really interfere, uh, as, as Bertrand Russell said, uh, will train the public, the children, through social indoctrination so well, he said, scientific indoctrination, that, that they won't listen to their parents anymore. But they'd also train the, the parents uh, not to be so involved in their children anymore and come to eventually train them that the state would be bringing up the children morally uh, and uh, and so on. And that's happened step by step. It's happened right up to the present. And you're right, most parents hardly see their children uh, just now and then, maybe at the table, if they even sit together at the table, and then they're off to their own rooms to play on, on the computer or whatever they're doing. Uh, and they don't spend time uh, and say to the, to the child, you know, even though you've been taught all this stuff, remember, everything in this world has a spin on it to, to suit those who already run the world, not to suit you. Uh, and it's a hard thing to put across to a child unless you really take time and care on how to give examples of what you mean. But it can, if it sticks in their head, they'll have a chance in the future because the future is tumultuous. That what's planned is tumultuous for the whole world, honestly. And we've not even gone in to the full area. We're just at the brink of the real austerity program today, post-consumer, post-industrial, and into austerity. And uh, big changes are happening. And those children who have uh, more savvy, more in, uh, knowledge of what's going on, are the ones who will come through without cracking up and being drugged just to help them get through it, basically. So good for you that you're, you're taking time with the children. Everybody should be doing it. Thanks for calling. From Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.